Welcome to True North Strong, a sports performance podcast, and I'm your host, Jay Malhado. Join me as I chat with some of the top sports performance practitioners from far and wide and discuss from a uniquely Canadian perspective all things sport and human performance. My goal is that within these conversations, we will uncover the through lines that connect us all. Welcome to the next edition of True North Strong, a sports performance podcast. I'm super excited to welcome Braden Miller to the show. Braden is the strength and conditioning coordinator as well as the head of sports science for the Winnipeg Winnipeg Blue Bombers of the Canadian Football League. Uh, so welcome to the show, Braden. Thanks for having me. Uh, excited to uh, dig into your path a little bit, uh, learn a little bit more about strength and conditioning and sports science within the CFL. So just kind of start a little bit with uh, just kind of your path to the CFL and uh, how long you've been in Winnipeg. So, yeah, I uh, I went to school at uh, U of M here in Winnipeg. Uh, I actually went for athletic therapy. Um, and it wasn't until my fourth year of athletic therapy that I um, started taking more of an interest in strength and conditioning. So kind of the whole time I was you know, personally interested in it, but it wasn't really until that last year that I started um, seriously considering spending more time in the gym on the strength side of things um, and kind of learning uh, all that I could from um, the gym and, you know, the strength and conditioning uh, professionals that were there at the time. Uh, so that started my last year university. And then after that, I got a job with university uh, in their high performance center for a year. And then, uh, while I was doing that, um, I was working at a private gym as well, uh, that trained a lot of the, uh, local hockey players. Um, so I was there for a year doing both things. Yeah. Uh, and after a year of doing that, um, I was lucky enough that, uh, the job with the bombers opened up. Um, so basically I, I get a call one day saying that, you know, if I'm interested in this, position to come down for an interview so at the time i i really hadn't considered uh working in pro sports um i'd spent some time around the winnipeg jets as a as a student intern um and i saw how hard it was for them to get to their position and you know all the work that they put to to just get their foot in the door um and honestly i was i didn't know if i had what it took to to get to that position because a lot of it is luck Right. right. Um, yeah. I, I spent uh, some time with a clinician in the city here that worked in hockey for 11 years trying to make it to the NHL. And he was a really, really good clinician and he just never got a, an opportunity. Uh, so eventually he just settled down and, uh, and opened a clinic here in the city. Right. Um, but it's just such a, a long road and it can be um just a lot of luck to get into that position so again i was lucky a position opened i was somewhat experienced enough and uh able to to step into the position uh and this will be my seventh year now so um yeah that's kind of how i got into the position uh, initially right are you originally from winnipeg no i'm from brandon okay yeah 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 so about two hours uh, west of here okay sweet um, we'll get into a little bit of, of that, uh, you know, evolution of your position being there now seven years and, and having some, some really great success from a team standpoint over the last three or four. So, uh, excited to, to dig into that a little bit later. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I think where we always uh, like to start with our guests is, is in the rapid fire portion, getting to know everyone kind of outside of the, of the weight room or of the, of the clinic. So um, I fire over some of the questions beforehand, but uh, I'm looking forward to surprising you with a, with a couple other ones. Sure. Um, we'll start with what's your favorite movie? Um, probably really any of the Marvel movies now. I'm a big Marvel guy now. I know they're like super cheesy and my girlfriend hates them. <laughs> uh, so I usually don't watch I don't force her to watch them because she just hates them. But I love all the Marvel. Like anytime a new one comes out, I'm like, yeah, I got to see it just to, to keep up with the storyline. Now there's like, there's just so many of them and they all go in their different directions. But yeah, I'm a big like sci-fi superhero kind of guy. So anything awesome. marvel awesome nice nice yeah. um do you have a favorite book um yeah a couple probably the the first one that i uh kind of come back to over and over again is the obstacles of the way uh the ryan holiday book um i've probably read it three or four times now um it's just a a good entertaining read with like a lot of good information in there on stoicism and like a, a starter book on on just how to like change your mind if you're going through a tough time. And then recently I got it more into uh, fiction books. Um, okay. So I, uh, this past year, the the team did a, a book club with oh, all nice. the players and I, and I joined in. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> and uh, the second book that we read was Red Rising and it's like a sci-fi book. Okay. Um, so like right in the wheelhouse of like the, the Marvel stuff. Right. Um, but it's a six part book and the, the kind of the intention of this bomber book club was to pick a new book every month <laughs> well they they picked this book that like half the team just loved and it's a part of a six part series so everyone just like started reading the rest of those books after and it kind of it didn't help the book club because everyone's like oh i'm actually just going to keep reading this series because it's so <laughs> good so, Hopefully guys don't get, you know, moved and they're like, oh no, I, you know, I got to keep bringing the book club to, to another team now to continue the series. Right. So yeah, uh, that's the tough part about, about a series. Yeah. That's really cool. I love, I, I, I love that book club idea and, and just, uh, yeah. or giving people a books in the off season. So that's really cool to hear that you guys do that. Yeah. Yeah. It was actually organized by one of the players, uh, Drew Wallatarski. He's, uh, he loves to read the guy, him and Evan Holm just crush books um so it was their idea and yeah they, they did a really good job with it this year i was i was impressed awesome uh do you have a favorite song or musical artist um probably not one particular song but i like the arkells um <laughs> even if they are from hamilton um <laughs> i uh yeah I, I really like their stuff awesome do you have a favorite healthy food? I know kind of a lot of traveling uh, in pro sport. Um, do you have a kind of a favorite healthy food? Um, I'm just like a simple, simple guy. I could eat the same meal every single day for the rest of my life and be happy. <laughs> so like, honestly, ground beef and rice is my favorite meal. Like I, <laughs> most days, almost every single day, I'm going to eat ground beef and rice because it's it's so nutritionally dense uh, and I'm a guy that has a hard time keeping weight on. So you can eat a lot of it and not get a whole bunch of uh, indigestion and stuff like that. Right. So that's, yeah. that's probably, maybe it's not the healthiest food, but it's definitely not the most unhealthy food. So right. somewhere right. in the middle. Yeah. Nice. Uh, do you have a favorite 
kind of food for the soul, um, you know, a little bit guilty pleasure type of food? I mean, there's a lot of options. <laughs> um, probably pierogies. My mom's oh, Ukrainian. Okay. And nice. I grew up eating a ton of pierogies. One of my um, routines as a kid was coming home from school and uh, opening up a bag of 12 pierogies and sitting down and eating the whole thing just <laughs> as soon as I got home. So I, yeah, I love pierogies. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. You know, a lot of travel within the, within pro sport and the CFL in particular, all the way across the whole country, right? Um, yeah. Do you have a favorite Canadian? It doesn't have to be a CFL city, but do you have a favorite Canadian city that you've visited? Uh, I mean, Montreal is really fun. Uh, I've been there a few times now. Um, it's just a fun city. There's just, it seems like there's always something going on. Um, yeah. and you've got the history there too, right? It's one of the oldest cities, if not the oldest city in Canada. And it, it's just, it's got a little bit of everything, um, for everyone there. And it's big enough, um, that it just seems like in different parts of the city, it seems like you're in a totally different time almost. So, right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, is there a city, a Canadian city you'd, you'd love to visit? To visit? Um, I haven't been to Kelowna. I've heard uh, Kelowna is really nice in the summer. I got a buddy that works at the rink here uh, and they have a location in Kelowna now and he's out there during the summer quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, so Kelowna would be, it would be up there. I've heard the golf is unreal there. Nice. Are you a big golfer? Uh, I try to be, uh, I golfed quite a bit last year and it, weirdly enough, I think I got worse as the year <laughs> went on. So I don't know. It's tough with the season, your season kind of in the summertime, right? So it's, yeah. it's kind of tough to get out, right? I'm sure. But yeah. Um, yeah. no, that's awesome. Is there a, a place worldwide that you visited that you, you really love? Um, I haven't done a ton of traveling. One place I'd really like to go to uh, at some point would be Japan. Um, I just heard that the uh, the culture and uh, everything is just so different from everything else. Everyone always just raves about how clean it is. Um, so I think that would be like the place I'd want to go to at yeah. some point, but just got to make the time. Yeah. That's coming up in a, in a lot of people's kind of dream destination is, is, uh, is Japan and, and Asia is again, like it's super far, but it, it seems like it's a whole totally different place and the technology and kind of some of the things that are happening over there, I think is really, really cool. You know, we get all four seasons, uh, you know, in Winnipeg, you get them a little bit harder than other places, some some of the seasons. But uh, do you have a favorite season? Well, definitely summer. Yeah. Definitely summer. I mean, part of it here in, in Winnipeg and the prairies is uh, you really enjoy your summers that much more because the winters are so nasty. So <laughs> you, you really got to make sure you um enjoy every day to the fullest um because you know that those days are short-lived yeah for sure for sure yeah. awesome no i think that's great stuff um you know see seeing some similarities between some of the other other guests and just kind of um seeing some things in common so uh that's awesome that's awesome you know we mentioned just kind of briefly the season for the cfl is, is through the summer months into the fall right um what's kind of the the schedule of the season really for those who, who kind of aren't um, familiar with it and then how does strength and condition kind of layer within that? Yeah. So uh, training camp usually starts around the second week of May. 
Uh, it's about 20 days long. Uh, it is a grind. Uh, it's on the field for about two and a half to four hours every day for 20 days straight. Uh, so it is a mental and physical grind on everyone involved. Right. Um, most days are 12 to 14 hour days. Um, and then once the season starts, uh, it goes from June till uh, the third week of uh, November. Uh, and there's three bye weeks in there. So uh, it's a long season. Uh, it's a marathon for sure, not a sprint. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, 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 it's a long, long season. We just got to break it down into manageable chunks. Yeah. And again, like we were talking about, like you're, you're experiencing all of the, of the weather conditions, right? Like depending on where mm -hmm. you're playing because of that, because it's going all the way to, to November, um, but it's starting in May. So you're kind of getting that, that rain and the, and the heat and the, and the cold. So kind of preparing the players for that as well. Uh, mm -hmm. I think it's kind of a, an interesting piece uh, to that too. Yeah. Yeah. You get, you get both extremes, right? Uh, you get the hottest part of the summer and you can potentially get kind of the coldest weather uh, of the season. So it's, you get both extremes for sure. Yeah. What's your, what's your kind of typical uh, week look like strength and conditioning wise? Like if it's a home week versus maybe if you're on the road, like um, what does that look like as you, as you put in those, those days to, to lift, right? Um, so a regular, uh, football week, uh, full length week will be a, a four day week. Right. So, um, day one, uh, from, a, a strength and conditioning perspective is always going to be a lower body. Uh, day two is always going to be an upper body and day three is going to be like a potentiation, um, plyo day, uh, and a little bit of mobility mixed in. And then the day before, uh, it's just going to be any sort of treatment slash mobility that guys want to come in. A lot of guys will have a stretch routine and then, um, game day will just be all potentiation. Um, we don't really have like a, a lift time, but, uh, so they'll come in however many hours, uh, before the game and, and go through their, their own warm up routine. But, um, for the most part, that's if it, if the week is always the same that way, uh, and that you get, you know, a full three days of practice, that's pretty much what it's always going to be just so the players can get some consistency. Um, they're very much creatures of habit. Um, so I try not to, you know, mess around with too much stuff. Um, right. obviously they'll get some exercise variety, uh, within that, <clears throat> but this was one of the things that I kind of learned very quickly when I got into the uh, league was that um, guys have their routines and if it's worked for them in the past, they will not change, right? They will fight you tooth and nail yeah. uh, unless they are being absolutely forced to do so. Um, so obviously me coming in, my idea would have been, you know, uh, three mixed days of lifting. I didn't really want to, you know, separate uh, lower upper and then a mixed type of thing just from a, a potentiation standpoint but not right away guys the old guys on team like no we train legs on day one that's that's how things work and that's what we're gonna do i'm like all right sounds good yeah um have you seen that kind of evolve um and not necessarily like you know, getting completely away from a lower body day, but have you been able to to sprinkle some more things into those uh, days while keeping 
yeah. that overarching structure, right? Over yeah. the seven years, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. Like when I first started, um, I was basically just asking veterans on the team, you know, what they like to do um, in terms of routines, uh, exercises, uh, things like that. Because again, at the end of the day, uh, these guys have gotten to the pro level doing whatever it is they've been doing, um, whether that's, you know, routines they've gotten from their trainers from wherever they come from. Um, but they've gotten to where they've gotten to uh, for one reason or another. Um, and it's just my job to make sure, one, we're not screwing anything up, and two, we're making them as healthy uh, as they can be for as long as possible. So, yeah, when I first came in, I was basically just asking what their preferences were um, and kind of giving them those, right? So right. Uh, I reached out to a lot of um, trainers. Um, so I basically just asked guys, hey, just send me your the guy that you've been working with, uh, his contact, and I love to talk to him. So I was chatting with guys all over the country um, about, you know, their routines and what they like to do and preferences and stuff like that. And just little things, right? Because um, there's a million ways to, to train. Um, but when it comes down to it, there's a lot of personal preference, right? Got some guys like certain styles of training um, and some guys like others. So yeah, to begin with, it was mostly that. <clears throat> and then as I kind of went along, uh, I put my own spin on things and now I've gotten to the point where it's a little bit of both, right? I'll still, how are you structuring kind of the, the roster size, right? Like that's, that's a big piece of the puzzle with, with football is you have so many guys in so many different positional groups. Like how is that either broken down? I would assume offense, defense for sure. But, um, is there subcategories and, and how are you managing the guys that maybe don't dress versus the guys that do dress or those type of things? Yeah. So, um, I break it down. I, I do four different programs. Um, so I'll do the basically on, on body size, right? The, the smallest guys, the skill guys. So your receivers, your DBs and your running backs will do one program, uh, linebackers, DNs and fullbacks will do another program, uh, old linemen and defensive tackles will do another program and then quarterbacks and kickers will do another program. So I'll have, on any given day, I'll have four different programs on a whiteboard. Um, and again, uh, those four programs are tailored to their needs and their preferences, right? So like, just for an example, like big guys don't like to get up and down off the floor all that often. Yeah. Uh, and that's something I, I wouldn't have known if I wouldn't have talked to one of the players, because they'll, they'll straight up tell you, you're making me get up and down, right? So they're not happy about it. Yeah. Um, and to their trainers back home, right? So they've just learned to adapt, you know, the order of exercises, or if, if you can do an exercise standing, do it standing, right? Because they just don't like getting up and down all that often. Right. Um, if they don't absolutely have to, right? So um, stuff like that, just, I think, kind of goes a long ways. Um, but yeah, within those for programs, again, just structured slightly different. They all need um, similar things, right? They all play football, but obviously some guys have uh, some different needs versus others. Um, and then the roster versus the non-roster guys. Um, during the week, it pretty much looks the same. Um, on game days, the non-roster guys that are healthy uh, will go through a game day workout that's uh, usually structured as a big um, circuit on the field. Uh, and then we'll have um, a bunch of conditioning mixed in with that as well. So basically on that day, for those guys, I'm trying to push them kind of as hard as I can conditioning wise. 
um, to give them a little bit of a stimulus um, similar to a game. And so that if they do spend a little more time on that uh, non-active roster, they're getting good conditioning in. So when they do get in uh, to games, you know, they're ready to go and their conditioning is where it needs to be. Right. Yeah. I think that's, that's kind of the biggest being, being the biggest uh, push kind of we've I've seen over the last few years is, is what's happening to those uh, either non dressing guys or limited minute guys who, you know, could be getting deconditioned if they're not, you know, training, the day of the game or, or slightly after the game or whatever to make sure that they're maintaining their level. So if something happens, they can kind of step right in and, and not feel like they're, they're behind the eight ball a little bit. Right. So. Well, you can technically uh, allocate time for a workout, but it has to come within a four and a half hour rule. So um, like every day. Uh, no. So each day you can only keep guys uh, in the building um for four and a half hours so okay. starting at nine you can only keep them till 1 30 right so in that four and a half hours they got to get two hours of meetings in and two and a half hours of practice in all right so now so now we're at so that so that's that's their four and a half hours right. uh, that they ha absolutely have to be in the building outside of that is optional right it's, it's volunteer right so yeah that means they can either come in for treatment or workout before nine. So a lot of guys will work out first thing in the morning before morning meetings. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of guys will lift post-practice, right? Okay. So um, my busiest times are like from six to nine. Um, I'll have anywhere between 10 to 20 guys come in kind of at various times. Again, there's no scheduled time. So they just kind of trickle in. Yeah. Um, in the mornings and then they go to morning meetings and then we're on the field for two and a half hours. And then when practice finishes, it's usually a, a mad dash to get to the gym because a lot of guys will try uh, and get their workout in as quickly as possible uh, post practice, um, which is nice because then they don't have to spend any time warming up. Right. They just right. finished a two, a two and a half hour practice. So they just come in. Uh, some guys will actually lift in their cleats uh, if they can. So they, they don't have to take anything off. They just walk right into the, into the weight room, take their helmet off, go through the lift, uh, and then they're done. Um, right. So from a uh, time efficiency standpoint, it's huge because, again, these guys have other things to do. They got a lot of film to watch. Yeah. They got kids, right? They got a lot of other things to do. Yeah. So make, making sure I'm maximizing that time um, is really important. Um so from 1.30 to 4, 4.30, um, the gym is usually uh, fairly busy. And that's when the majority of the team will come in for a workout at, again, whenever they have time, right? So they'll, they'll have lunch. Uh, a lot of them will watch film, whatever it is um, they need to do from like a personal standpoint. Uh, and within that, uh, there'll be a 20 to 45 minute workout. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um no, that's, I mean, I might, you must have a pretty big space then, I guess, to like to accommodate kind of this trickling versus, um, nope. <laughs> versus like, okay, we can only have 10 guys coming at a time or something like that, right? Like, yeah. So, and how's that evolved, that, I guess, over the time too, well, the, the space, right? Yeah. I mean, so we like equipment wise, it's definitely evolved a lot over uh, the seven years. Um, we just got a whole bunch of uh, new equipment from Irwin Fitness. 
they did a custom. Uh, yeah, I think I saw that. Yeah, yeah, I think cut I saw that online. some racks. It looked great. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. He did a, just a fantastic job. The stuff's awesome. Um, so yeah, there, there's just been a ton of upgrades to the gym itself over the the last few years. Um, Right. but the space itself is not massive by any means. Um, the most I think we've ever fit in there is like 28 or 29 guys. And that is like, you can't move. It is Right. that. so comfortably we'll get 20 guys in there. That 20 guys in there at one time is, is manageable, but it's like pretty full. Right. Um, Right. so again, post-practice, depending on the, on the day, uh, and how deep we are in the season, um, there'll usually be between 10 to 15 guys in there right away. And again, guys know this, right. If they want to come in and they want more space or they just, you know, uh, they want to do something that takes more space. they'll be the usually the ones in there right away because they know that space will be there right away. If they wait a half hour, then the gym is usually going to be full by that time. Uh, so some guys are kind of more picky with that where they're, you know, the gym's too full. I'll, I'll come back in, you know, 20 minutes when some of these guys have cleared out type of thing. So yeah, it, it is a, a bit of a challenge sometimes with a smaller space, but I've been in bigger spaces as well. And, and sometimes I prefer the smaller space just because you get more interactions um, with teammates, right? So guys talk to each other more uh, and it's a lot easier to coach, right? Right. So if I'm the only one in there and there's 20 guys in there, I can see everyone in the gym with a clear line of sight uh, and I can yell at them, right? And Right. I can get their attention right away. Whereas if we've got a big space with three lines of uh, uh, racks and I can't see from one side of the gym to the other, you know, it just makes it a little bit more difficult to coach everyone at the same time. Whereas in a smaller space, big open concept, I can talk to anyone at any point in the gym. Yeah, yeah. Do you have like uh interns or assistants or anyone helping you out or is it kind of just you managing Uh, all those guys? yeah. So in 2019, I got my first intern. I had a, a year long intern. Uh, and then in 21, uh didn't have anyone just because it was a covid year and Yeah. then uh, in 22 had an intern and last year had an intern as well Oh, awesome. uh and this uh this coming year i'm actually hiring an assistant so i'll have someone else in there uh full-time as well starting Sweet. this coming year yeah Yeah, that's awesome. Just kind of seeing the growth of the, of the program, right? And yeah uh, 100 yeah, that's that's great. You know, you mentioned kind of the the sports science uh, hat that you wear. Um, what are some of the things in that area as far as tech monitoring that you guys are implementing or or looking at? Yeah. So right away when I first started, it was very limited. Um, I was kind of drinking from the fire hose. I was just kind of trying to get my feet underneath me. Um, and in the last few years, we've tried to do uh, a little bit more here and there if possible. Um, actually just today, we just got force plates from Hawkins. Oh, So sweet. um, starting this year, we'll do a lot more with uh, the force plates uh, and try and use that. as best as we can. And I know there's over 300 different metrics that come with, uh, Drinking the force out of plates. a, drinking out of a fire hose again. Yeah. <laughs> You, once again, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. It's, I mean, I'll, I'll probably just start off with a handful of things and see if I can get some good data, um, just from a few metrics just to start off with, but just, uh, having that ability will be nice. Um, I've messed around with jump mats in the past before, um, we've got uh, velocity units as well. 
Um, so I've used those uh, kind of in intermittently. Really the, the biggest thing with the tech uh, I try and keep in mind with uh, is it's got to, it can't interfere with any sort of gym flow or the gym experience, right? Again, the, the biggest thing is making sure guys are working out. And again, because they don't absolutely have to in the CFL, uh, if I'm bringing in a whole bunch of tech that, um, you know, they find tedious or cumbersome, or they don't, you know, realize the value of it, even if it is giving me good data, uh, I may not uh, actually use it because again, it's, if it's going to decrease gym attendance, I mean, you're just kind of taking one step forward and two steps back type of thing. So right. I've been a little bit leery over the, the years to, uh, implement too much stuff too quickly just from a uh, experience and you know logistics standpoint again for the longest time it was just me so I couldn't necessarily uh, be testing a million different things and monitoring a different things because right. there's only so many hours in the day uh, and again all the stuff that I do testing wise or monitoring wise guys have to agree to it right yeah. so I can't say hey come do this thing or else there is nowhere else it's right. hey man would you would you mind coming and doing this jump would you mind doing whatever it is that you know that i'm asking them to do uh and if it's a no it's a no right yeah. but making sure they understand why i'm doing it or it's going to help them or whatever it is or or making it a competition right with the jump right. stuff uh it gets easy to to make it into a competition so that stuff's a little bit easier and they understand from that side of things but um, yeah, the, the force plate stuff is going to be uh, huge, I think. Yeah. And like you mentioned that, that logistical piece or session flow, you know, you want to try to make things as smooth as possible, especially when you have limited time and you have a lot of people, uh, anything that kind of slows down the flow, uh, or they feel like you said, it's, it's like a cumbersome or just whatever, like that creates this like deterrent, right. Or just this barrier that you, you really can't afford to have sometimes. So uh, mm -hmm. So hopefully that kind of can just integrate uh, pretty smoothly, right? Are you doing? That's anything? what I'm hoping. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Are you doing anything kind of on field? Like, is there any uh, GPS stuff or any of that stuff that's going on? We do a little bit with that um, here and there. We'll be doing timing gate stuff in the off season this year as well. We haven't really done too much of that stuff in the past, but yeah. um, we'll be getting some of those this off season as well. So we'll be implementing more of that as well um but for the most part uh the on-field stuff i i don't do as much of the on-field stuff yeah no sweet sweet um you know you mentioned you were kind of started in the therapy uh world and therapy realm you know how is that relationship as far as return to play again in in professional sports you have this like time sensitivity that sometimes you don't have in, in the private sector or even sometimes in college, right? It's a little bit of a different time pressure there. Yeah. Like right from the get-go, it was, um, it was all one unit. Um, we've never really, you know, had separate departments. Um, so me being an athletic therapist and hired as the strength and conditioning professional, um, everything that we do has, uh, therapy or treatment or, um, injury prevention or something like that kind of blended into it. Um, so again, coming from that background, I try and think of ways that we can uh, get a similar sort of result from treatment that we would get in the gym, right. Or vice versa. Right. So if right. oftentimes, um, 
I'll do whatever it is technique in, uh, in the therapy room. Uh, and, and my first thought is how can I uh, replicate this in the gym so the player can go and do this on their own type of thing so they can add it to their routine. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of been my uh, more recent kind of endeavor is trying to take things that, you know, we do as therapists um, in the treatment room and give it to the athlete so they can do kind of like a self uh, treatment type of thing. Again, just give the guys a little bit more tools and again, for some things, uh, it works for some things, maybe not. Um, but yeah, the, the integration between medical and strength, it, I wouldn't even call it integration because it, it's, it's the th really the same thing, right? Right. Um, our, our, just the way our facilities set up, um, just makes it so much more beneficial for this regard as well. Um, so the way we're set up is we have a uh, locker room, uh, connected to that as the therapy room and then connected to that as the gym. Oh, so if guys want to go to the gym, they walk through the therapy room. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and my office is in the therapy room, right? So right. I talk to uh, the head athletic therapist every day. Um, again, I'm technically part of uh, the uh, medical staff as well. So again, it's not, I don't even really consider it an, an, an integration. It's we're all basically doing the same sort of thing. And our therapists, uh, we'll spend time in the gym as well with return to play and exercise prescription and, and trying to blend skills as much as uh, we as we can. I've called it blurring the lines in the past, right? We blur right. lines between therapy and um, strength and conditioning. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And again, I think that the facility setup has has a lot to do with that and, and, and can help, you know, express that that connection, right? And and uh, yeah, that's super uh cool and, and unique as well. I think, you know, more teams are going that way, but um, for you guys to be uh, kind of in the forefront of that, I think it's really, really cool. You, you know, you mentioned through your monitoring stuff, um, some of the things that you're looking to implement this year versus uh, last year with the force plates. Is there anything else um, you're looking to evolve into or, or start to put into place uh, this season? Last year was uh, a lot of isometrics. Um, we started doing quite a bit more of that. So I'll probably just continue with that. Part of the the force plate uh, purchase was um, we're already doing a whole bunch of isometric training. Uh, it would be just cool to get a force plate uh, going at the same time because we're already going to be doing all these isometrics. Yeah. Um, so just get some data off it as well. And again, from like a, a flow perspective, um, hopefully it, it shouldn't really interfere with anything again because we're already doing these as part of our uh, workouts. So just stand on this plate um i mean there's really a ton of different things um every off season i try and you know explore a different area of uh of new research or new trends or or whatever it is um just to see what else is out there in terms of training techniques um uh, again so last year isometrics uh, and within that some like uh the uh fascial training stuff yeah um so probably get a little bit more down the rabbit hole with uh with that in the coming year yeah yeah i think that was i worked in in university football for a year and uh, many years ago now but uh that was something i always um saw and thought about like especially within some of the skill position guys right when when you think about the shapes that these guys have to make to catch the ball deflect the ball like things like this right and and are we um training them you know, to be able to, to get into those positions and get out of those positions, you know, and, 
And yeah, we got to, you know, they got to be big and strong and things like that and fast, but they also have to have strength and, and uh, elasticity within these kind of odd shapes sometimes. So, you know, the, the instant thought of, is some of those one-handed catches, right. That you see. And, but, but can we get them a little bit more comfortable within that position, the fascial chain, right. Working together. So, yeah, I think that that's a, a great place to to start to dive down for sure. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite movies is Back to the Future. So I'm kind of aging myself a little bit. But uh, if you could jump in into the DeLorean and go back a little bit and and give your your younger self some some advice, would there be a, a time or, or a specific situation that you'd like to, to jump back to? Yeah, I mean, I think I would just say to start sooner in the gym. Like I said earlier, I, I waited until my fourth year um, to start you know, shadowing and interning in the gym. Uh, and that was really on my own accord. Um, I was interested um, and I was working with um, the men's hockey team as an AT. And I just asked the strength coach one day, you know, they they practice in the mornings on Mondays and Wednesdays, and then they go and work out um, right after practice. Can I just come and follow them into the gym and see what's going on? And he was all for it. Yeah. Uh, and he was, uh, uh, an AT as well. Uh, he did his, um, athletic training in the States. Um, so he was, uh, pretty keen on having another athletic therapist, um, or student athletic therapist, uh, getting interested in strength and conditioning. Cause I think it's a little more rare. I think that it, it probably should be. Um, right. I think as an athletic therapist, you should be able to take a, an athlete or, or general population from uh, the initial injury, right? So the actual hands-on first aid, um, all the way back to return to play. Um, there shouldn't really need to be a handoff to the the strength coach per se. Um, again, it, it's different kind of everywhere you go, but as a, a good athletic therapist, you should know all the tools that it takes to get an athlete and the, the intensity that it takes to get an athlete in those late stages of return to play back to, to training. Um, so yeah, I, I would just say, just, just start earlier. Right. I, I should have just, you know, went in as soon as I started the AT program and went into the high performance center and said, you know, I'll show me what you guys are doing in here. I just started an AT Right. Um, instead of waiting until the fourth year, because I, I learned just so much uh, yeah. in such a short time. Um, so I think it just I would have benefited a lot more um, learning the theory if I would have had the ability to, you know, see it done firsthand in the actual application of it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. No, that's a great one. You know, I like to finish up with, you know, just learning a little bit about what you do to uh, step away or escape the profession we talked a little bit about golf right um but that it doesn't always line up with the schedule but uh mm-hmm. you know are there other things that you do to maybe recharge the batteries a little bit um you know and, and get away from the profession yeah so i mean the off seasons are really nice in the cfl we have a really long off season so i try and really enjoy um the the time away as much as i can um, so spending time with my girlfriend, you know, going outside, we like to do lots of hikes and walks and stuff like that. Uh, and playing other sports. I try and play hockey two to three times a week. Oh, awesome. Um, and I, I just started that probably four years ago. 
uh, I picked it up again. I played hockey all through as a kid. Um, but, I, you know, going through university, I, I didn't play a ton. So yeah, four or five years ago, I, I just decided, you know, I, I need to get back into this. I, I really miss it. Uh, so now, yeah, I'll skate anywhere from two to three times a week and I love it. It's, it's, you know, my, uh, time to get away, you know, clear your head. It's, I don't think about anything else, especially, you know, when it's a good game. Yeah. Um, so any, any sport I can get into, um, I really try and, you know, use that as a getaway and then reading too. Right. So again, like I said, uh, fiction, I've been getting more and more into fiction for the longest time. I thought fiction was just, you know, a complete waste of time. <laughs> I would just hammer the nonfiction books, the self-help, all the strength coach stuff you could possibly read. And, you yeah. know, after a while, that stuff, you start to see the same sort of thing over and over again. So uh, um, in the last few years, I've been reading more and more fiction uh, and I really like that. So I, I've been uh, a lot more fiction lately. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And and again, it, get, it gives it gives your mind a break, right? Like if you're always yep. reading strength conditioning or fitness books or whatever, or business stuff, your mind is always going in that way. But if if you step away from that now, sometimes it clears your head to, to spark that idea. But other times it just, yeah, it just leaves that away and, and you can really kind of, uh, you know, immerse yourself in something else. Right. So that's, that's really, really cool. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, as I said at the, at the onset, I, I appreciate the time, you know, I'm from Hamilton. I didn't want to start with that or you might've hung up the phone, but, uh, <laughs> I'm from <laughs> Hamilton, but I'll be uh, following Winnipeg a little bit closer this summer. Um, thanks so much for, for jumping on. Um, you know, what's the best place for, for someone to reach out to you if they, you know, are working in football or have questions or, or want to, uh, kind of connect with you? Uh, I'm on Instagram quite a bit more these days, okay. uh, trying to get into the online space. So, uh, my Instagram handle is Braden underscore Miller one. Um, so that's probably the best way to, to get a hold of me, trying awesome. to get my, my foot in the door on the, uh, the online training slash, you know, social media, all that stuff. Yeah. Learning again, drinking from the fire hose. <laughs> Uh, no, that's great. I'll, I'll kind of link everything uh, in the show notes and, and and when I post it as well. So yeah, thanks again. Enjoy the last uh, little bit of the off season as you prepare for the guys to come back and uh, have a great, great season. All right. Awesome. Thanks, man. Awesome. Well, that's a wrap on this episode. I'd like to thank my guests for connecting today, as well as sharing their path, knowledge and insights. Join me next time as I chat with another outstanding Canadian sports performance practitioner. 